recording this on January 20th, 2024. The sound of freedom. The sound of freedom. Oh my. Well, the only reason this movie even intrigued me at all was because of the controversy attached to it. The absolute hysteria that seems to have the entire world by the balls. It was honestly disgusting to watch play out on the timeline. The absolute hysteria of it all. I don't want to spend time dwelling on the controversy, listeners, which, in my opinion, is so overblown, so fabricated out of thin air as to be a non-starter. But unfortunately, it is wrapped up in this film now, maybe forever. All the articles and social media spats over this fucking movie, and of course, after actually viewing the film, it turns out it was all a figment of the imagination. It was all a meme. A world where because of one tiny plot point, everyone went absolutely insane. That being an island intended as a pedophile hotel for super rich elites to diddle children. Part of an elaborate plan to catch a bunch of child traffickers red-handed towards the end of the movie. That's it, listeners. That's the plot point that created the fucking firestorm. The similarity of that little plot point to the fucking Jeffrey Epstein sex island. The culture war. The thing that won't stop raging. But I'll say something about it here, listeners. Lay my thoughts on the table. The culture war, as it's called, is the only war. I don't care who the president is. I care about books, art, film, the culture war. I hear it often dismissed by many pundits, writers, etc., usually on the left, that say things like, oh, that's just culture war nonsense. And I'd agree when it comes to something like this movie, The Sound of Freedom. But the problem is, the stupid memes and conspiracies that people were talking about online again, mostly in relation to Jeffrey Epstein, listeners, began to overshadow the actual movie. And I'm not about to praise this film, listeners, if that's what you're thinking. It was mediocre at best, and so sanctimonious about its hero, Tim Ballard, played by Jim Caviezel, that I rolled my eyes a few times. Usually, in the scenes where it's made clear how much the sacrifice, that of throwing himself in absolute danger, is more important than anything else. How much he's willing to risk to save children from this horrible fate. Even risk leaving his own wife and children fatherless, losing his job and possibly his life. But it's when this so-called, quote, culture war nonsense spills out into the offline world that it becomes a problem and it always does become a problem listeners poisoning the conversation around certain works of art 
And this is where I disagree with those who dismiss any insane hysteria that spills out of social media as, quote, culture war nonsense. It isn't nonsense when it starts to affect the conversation and evaluation of works of art on their merits. It's an invasive cancer, a terminal cancer. And while those that are quick to dismiss any of these types of controversies away would see me as sentimental or foolish even, I encourage those who are doubtful of how much this matters to ask themselves how much they care about art and culture. How much do you love art, poetry, literature, movies? How much? Because for me, art and culture, and yes, that means literature, poetry, movies, music, all of it, is the most important thing in the world. I adore it. I love art and culture. And when it gets tarnished, I feel compelled to defend it with everything I have. To prevent poisonous political garbage from destroying what I hold dear. In fact, I don't view any aspect of the so-called culture wars as silly at all, let alone nonsense. I'd go as far as to say that many confuse my stance over this particular issue as a political stance, when in fact, it is not, and sadly shows how steeped the world is in this battle of culture, what the internet calls the culture wars. I know very well that the reaction to me even mentioning the phrase culture war is to scoff, deny, belittle the issue, pretend it isn't happening, that this culture war is just a product of internet hysteria. And you'd be partially right, but also not seeing the bigger picture. That the study of literature itself, of art itself, is inseparable from culture. In fact, culture is secondary to the art. Culture forms itself around the art and the popular entertainment and stories of the age. That's why I say what I do. That's why I take stands against the erasure of the Western canon, the dilution of what good art and literature is, and rail against the casual diminishment of the great artists in those traditions, which has become so normal as to be written into job descriptions in the field of literature and art history among others. Jobs that specify the destruction of our own culture and field of study as a requirement to even be hired. Don't believe me? Look it up, listeners. Any job ad for any professor in the field requires the candidate to renounce in a religious cult-like fashion the Western canon or, quote, problematize the Western canon, or, quote, rethink it, destroy it. And that idea, that sense that the greatest works of art the world has ever known somehow need to be problematized is a political ideological fanaticism, listeners. Nothing more. This is why I get irritated with political nonsense getting in the way of studying great art. So yes, 
I've chosen a side in the culture wars, and I don't regret it, because I'm on the side of art. And it's the correct place to be in the middle of this hysterical war on our past and hypothetical future. And that's why I found myself watching Sound of Freedom from 2023 in my living room and discovered what a bore it is. This overblown artifact of the culture wars. Maybe some of you don't remember, but there were social media posts for weeks about why the left says the movie is bad or why the right says the movie is an important truth-telling device. Both hysterical reactions. The left always more so. Using social media posts to write long think pieces about conspiracies being formed around the film. Not the film itself, but the absolute hysterical exaggerations around the film. And of course, all for cheap culture war points. Article after article saying, look how stupid the other side is. And this movie is a symbol of how stupid they are. Don't watch it. How hysterical do you have to be to think something like this? Let alone write it publish it in a major publication. I'd say pretty hysterical. But what pisses me off is that now a movie, not even a particularly good movie, is being used as a weapon for political hysteria. This has become the norm, listeners, and most of you listening to this already know it. So here I am, and I suppose I haven't reviewed much of this film, but most of this film isn't worth reviewing. It's horrific, sure. The depiction of the realities of child trafficking are harrowing to see on screen. But the elaborate plot to save the children, and then the later adventure where Jim Caviezel risks his life to save a girl he's never met and has no connection to, and save only her, by the way, out of all the other children that are enslaved, it just wasn't very well made. The score rarely downgrades a movie, but in this case, it was one of the worst scores I'd ever heard in a modern film. Just baffling how it was used, as if it was just pasted over the film. Overly sentimental, like every aspect of the movie itself. Jim Caviezel, too. It was soap opera-level cheese in every scene where he talked about leaving his job his career, and risking his life to save this little girl from child trafficking. And it sure is noble. But the movie is too aware of that fact. Going out of its way to write into the script and all over Caviezel's pained expressions that this guy is a hero because he's just so damn good and nice and knows what's right. It's just an unearned bleeding heart sentimentality in the movie. It's laid on too thick and spoils the risk factor for a thriller movie. It's also too long. It takes much too long to get going with too much backstory. It almost struck me as a video game scenario with different quests to achieve in different worlds and landscapes. But when the film actually gets going, it's enjoyable enough. But I don't think I'll ever be watching this movie again. I most likely wouldn't even have viewed this film if it weren't for the fact that this stupid fucking obsession 
with using political frameworks that have been scraped off the bottom of the discourse barrel and using those to make an artistic judgment just rustles my fucking feathers. Make the judgment on the fact that this movie is mediocre. Not that some right-wingers online had conspiracies about it. It's just a mediocre movie. It could be torn apart by the damn score alone. Why make political arguments? Or really, political decrees about it? And that's because it's not about the art piece, listeners. Anyone making an argument like this is no longer talking about art. They are talking about their political tribe and are smashing pieces of art into little pet projects to further a political cause or degrade a political cause. And this seemingly large-scale, persistent failure to understand the conflating of these things, the fact that it is taken as a given that these two things are intertwined, is a disaster a mistake so great that it has ruined entire fields of study. So, I find this movie more useful as a vehicle for this. Mainly because I found it so mediocre. But there it is, listeners. As clear as I can, the issue. And to deny the issue is to be playing political tribalism. Playing for your team, red or blue. This ideology destroys any understanding of these works of art. The universalism that is present in every great piece of it is buried. It is pushed out in favor of petty political beliefs. I can't think of anything more foolish. This movie didn't need any political viewpoints to explain how mediocre it is, how holier than thou it seems to think of itself. And because of that, misses what could have been an Oscar bait film if it wasn't so cheesy. It could have been written about as a movie, not as what some people said about it online. But it wasn't, listeners. It was not written about as just a movie from anyone. And now it can never be. And it pisses me off. Not because I liked this movie, as I already said, but because this type of smudging up works of art with political tribalism happens to every single work of art that comes out now. And I resent it. Heavy. Bored. The creator from 2023, directed, written, and produced by Gareth Edwards and starring John David Washington, in the lead role, was a movie that I found to rely entirely on the myths and fears of artificial intelligence more than any artistic devices in the actual film. The AI revolution, currently taking the world by storm, meant to hold one's attention, and nothing that the movie actually brings to the table. The result is a sophisticated, high-concept sci-fi movie, that is so boring and dull, I almost fell asleep watching it. And I didn't want to just beat this film up, listeners. My intention is actually to praise the competence of all the technical aspects. Edwards seems extremely competent at executing a high-concept idea like this. 
exciting visuals. Even using bold new visions for space travel in some circumstances, more cliched in others, but overall, the film hummed along, the visuals doing what they were supposed to do. It's all technically sound, but Edwards also shares a writing credit with screenwriter Chris Wheats, as well as story credit on the film. And I think it's safe to say that writing may not be his strong point. I have a hunch that Edwards' name was later added after he rewrote most of the original script from Wheats. But of course, I don't know. It's just what it feels like when watching it. That someone went in with a big fat Sharpie marker and mucked up what could have been an excellent sci-fi movie for the ages. It seems every director wants to be Tarantino now. Not just a director, but a writer-director. And this has led to more mediocre movies in recent years than I can count. Mostly because writing is a separate skill that must be honed and worked at. Practice. Some can do it brilliantly. Others clearly can't. And what the creator suffers from more than anything else is a bad script. If you're hearing this, it's because you are listening to the free public feed of Heavy Board. To get complete, uncensored, uninterrupted, full access to this podcast, become a subscriber at patreon.com slash heavyboard. That's right. Heavy Board is made possible by subscribers like you. For less than one cup of coffee per month, you will receive private access to uncensored, full-length episodes, jerk shop, heavy bonus content, subscribers-only AMA episodes, bonus extended interviews, and more. Come join the conversation today at patreon.com slash heavyboard.